1: For more information,
0: visit OutdoorEdge.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, happy new year. Welcome back to the Michigan Wild Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Uh, yeah, I am back. I had a little hiatus there uh, for most of the month of December, actually. I uh, just had a ton going on, and unfortunately, sometimes uh, priorities don't always align in terms of uh, what I'm able to to get done and get accomplished and all that good stuff. Um, so unfortunately, I just had to take a couple-week break um, just to get situated, um, Handle the holidays, I guess is a good way to put it, birthdays and holidays and all that good stuff. But we are back, uh, better than ever, and have a a great year uh, lined up for you guys uh, as far as the podcast goes. Um, And to kick things off, uh, for the first episode of 2023, I have Trevor Hubbs. And Trevor is the Executive Director for the Armed Forces Initiative uh, branch of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, we were trying to align this to get Eric McGee on, uh, I believe, I believe that's his last name. And Eric is the liaison for the state of Michigan, uh, and talking, uh, about some stuff or different events that Eric is, is working on and, and getting planned, uh, for this year. And, uh, unfortunately we we're not able to do that. So we'll get Eric on, uh, separately down the road, uh, Probably as we get closer to to some of these uh, different events that they're going to be putting on, um, to to get you guys more information. Uh, but Trevor and I get to talk, um, you know, about the Armed Forces Initiative, uh, what the goal of it is, how it all came about, uh, the success that they're seeing, um, you know, not only from a membership standpoint, but more importantly, um, you know, the the healing, the development. The creating new conservationists uh, as it pertains to our veteran community, um, which is it, it's just a ton of of really cool things that are a by, a byproduct uh, of AFI and everything. Uh, Trevor talks about uh, you know the the sacrifice, the dedication that it takes uh, on his end. Uh, he doesn't actually say those words. I'm going to say those words. Um, but when when he throws out the number of days that he was. Uh, away from home and in the field last year um, either traveling to an event actually at an event uh, or anything like that uh it's it's staggering um and it's uh it's very impressive um you know how much trevor cares uh, about the mission of afi and everyone involved so super cool to to hear him talk about that uh we also kind of talk about you know why bha um has been so successful, uh why maybe the veteran community um is drawn to to BHA uh in terms of you know all the different conservation organizations out there and everything like that. But no, it's a, it's a great conversation, it's a great episode. Uh I've had the chance to speak with Trevor before. Um uh, today was just kind of a continuation, um a little bit different audience. Uh and like I said, hopefully we'll get Eric on the liaison for state of Michigan here and we can talk about um some great events how you can get involved or, or maybe participate or, or anything like that. So uh, I don't even know what episode number this is because it's been so long, 15, 16 maybe? Yeah, with Trevor Hubs. Enjoy, everyone. Trevor Hubs, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir?
0: Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm glad that we're getting a chance to to sit down and talk again. Um, this is the, the second time we've had the opportunity to record a podcast. The first one was for the average conservationist, but in talking kind of Uh, post-recording we had started to talk about um, the Michigan kind of of chapter uh, of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Armed Forces Initiative and some things you guys had cooking there and and everything like that so it's it's good timing. Um, Eric um, who is the newly appointed liaison was unable to join us today but as you and I talked about we'll get him on here um, for another episode in the future and kind of talk uh, a little bit more in depth about some stuff that uh, you guys have going on there
0: yeah i'm re- i'm excited to get eric on board he's got some uh got some big plans coming up so it should be a great uh 2023 for michigan
1: yeah no that's good i like i like the enthusiasm you know it's it's that's got to be something nice for for you and in, in your position well I'm, I'm talking i i i'm talking because i assume that everyone listening knows give me a bit of a background trevor tell us tell us you know what um what your role is with the armed forces initiative
0: yeah, so I work for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, which is a public land advocacy group for hunters and anglers, and uh, I run the Armed Forces Initiative, which is uh, the part of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers that focuses on veterans, active military, National Guard, Reserves, Gold Star families, basically that whole military community, uh, how to get them out into the backcountry, whether that's hunting, fishing, hiking, whatever that, uh, particular person is interested in, um, for reference, just finished up our, uh, 2022 end of year paperwork. We took out 1700 veterans on 102 trips in 35 states and on 26 active duty installations. So we're, we're growing, we're, we're getting there.
1: Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, how did you kind of land on the, the armed forces initiative? What did that, what did that path look like to, to lead you to where you're at now?
0: Um, so in 2018, uh, BHA did their annual kind of survey of their members, like what are we doing well, what aren't we doing well, and it was kind of interesting, uh, it was the first time we asked, are you a veteran or are you associated with the military, and it came back that at that point 12% of BHA members were a veteran or active duty military, which is interesting because uh, if you look at the average U.S. population, it's between 4 and 6%, um, depending on the survey you look at, but so then it's like, alright, well that's almost double the average why is BHA attracting so many military members? And there's a whole litany of reasons, but uh, that started BHA down this path of really digging into the military community. And uh, the most interesting piece that we found was our members that 12% of our members are military members, but those 12% are the most active BHA members. They're the ones setting up uh, like trail cleanups, public land uh, events, learn to hunt events, all this stuff. They're the kind of the best, most active members we have. So it makes sense for BHA to try and cater to that membership and get more military members to get more active conservationists in the, uh, in the game, so to speak. Um, So 2019, I came uh, into the scene kind of as a volunteer for the armed forces initiative. I'd already been a BHA member and I was reached out to by backcountry hunters and anglers. And we started just doing veterans hunts. So started with 18 people. We did our first real event in 2020 uh, in Eastern Montana with 18 veterans, uh, doing a mule deer hunt. And since then it's just kind of snowballed and kept going and going and going. And lucky enough that we brought on Eric in Michigan last year. Uh, he went to, uh, one of our events in Minnesota that we were calling kind of like a great lakes event. And, uh, we were up in the boundary waters for, I think we were up there for eight days and catching a ton of fish. And Eric was on the trip and he's like, man, how do I get involved? How can I do this in my community? And I was like, that's a great question. Let's figure it out. And uh, yeah, since then, we just kind of moved him into a leadership role in Michigan. He's on the Michigan BHA board. Uh, he did a like a skeet shoot followed up by a pheasant hunt earlier this year. We just kind of put and take pheasants like a learn introduction to the upland kind of thing. Like this is what shotguns are. This is uh, like the size shot you'll need for pheasants. This is the type of habitat pheasants live in. Just now let's practice shooting and then let's go see if we can we could find some dinner out in the uh, prairie there <laughs> so no it worked out and uh, he's got a bunch more events planned for 2023 so that's uh that's how we got here
1: yeah no that's that's great like the 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 pheasant hunt like the kind of introductory to to upland hunting if you will <clears throat> that's a uh, that's like such a, a great kind of low barrier to entry um type of event that can get a lot of people involved because I don't want to to, to, stereotype here, but I got to imagine if you served in the military in some capacity, you probably got a shotgun or two at the house and, you know, <laughs> just knowing, I mean, that just doesn't go for military. I mean, that's damn near all of Michigan for crying out loud. Yeah.
0: absolutely. Um,
1: but yeah, it's, it's one that, you know, with a little bit of direction, um, you know, you can, you can be successful. You can see, you know, what it takes to to get out into the field. And again, you know, not having to spend, you know, potentially hundreds of dollars on camo, tree stands, like if you're talking about whitetail. You don't got to go out of state. You can do it right here in Michigan. You just got to, you know, learn the habitat like you mentioned, understanding, you know, what type of, you know, shells you're going to need, what size of load, you know, the load that you're going to need. And yeah, you can can go out there. And I mean, obviously you you like to have a dog, but there's certainly – more than one way to, uh, to go out there and upland hunt. So no, that's, that's really cool. And we had talked about it, uh, again, the last time we spoke and, and events like that, while I have not served in the military, those are the types of events that, that I would really like to, to try to be a part of, um, in some way, if possible, because, um, there's certainly a a strong uh, military community here in Michigan.
0: Oh, absolutely. We'd love to have you. I was, uh, of look at my calendar here uh the biggest event um that we're going to be that it's not just for michigan so michigan's running it but we're also inviting some folks from minnesota and wisconsin and ohio kind of make it kind of a great lake centric event but we're doing a waterfowl hunt next uh, late october uh in the upper peninsula on uh lake huron at a layout boat so we should be able to take about 20 people but you're very welcome to come to that um it's it's going to be interesting kind of introduction to waterfowl hunting and introduction to layout boat hunting all at the same time. So should be pretty neat.
1: Yeah, no, that'll be a great one. Uh, and late October, hopefully you guys, I mean, that Eastern part of the UP there. I mean, I mean, hell the, the whole UP in general, it's, it's hit or miss on the type of weather that you're going to get. I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. spending a week in August up there, you know, not terribly long ago, first week of August. And it was like a high of 60. You know, like, yeah, you, you think it kind of the dog days of summer, early August there. And it was it was not that. But no, that'll be um, a great uh, opportunity. Are you guys um, as far as, you know, not just Michigan specifically, but the the Armed Forces Initiative branch of, of BHA? Are you guys going to be at the uh, the Western Hunt Expo this year by chance?
0: Um, I don't believe we are. I mean, backcountry hunters and anglers will definitely have somebody there. Yeah, but uh, it is not going to be me. I've uh, I've been on the road for 217 days in 2022. Uh, I actually was, was talking to my wife this morning, and I'm like, man, I really feel great. And she's like, yeah, this is probably the longest you've slept in a bed in a row this year. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Since December 14th, I've been at home, and it's been great. So, trying to stay a little bit closer to home this year. But uh, thanks to folks like Eric, I can do that. I don't have to go run every event, you know? Yeah,
1: so, 217 days. Wow. I mean, that's. Yeah that that's a lot, you know, kudos to your wife for, uh, for, for being, for being down for the cause because yeah, that's, that's a ton of time, you know, not only, you know, just on the road or sleeping out of a tent and your pickup truck, whatever, but just, you know, away from family. I mean, those, those types of things can, can be tough and can kind of wear
0: on you after a while. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a great time. Like I, I have no business complaining. Like I get paid to take people hunting and fishing. Like, so you can't, uh, You can't really complain, but it is that—that's all it is. It's the three-year-old and the one-year-old at home that uh, you just kind of feel guilty about being on the road so much.
1: Yeah, but you just got to look at the bigger picture to to some degree, right? You know, the the mission that the Armed Forces Initiative have that you know BHA in general has um, is such a positive one, and it's one that you know when you decide to you know take a step back or whatever the case is, and your kids you know, are old enough to, to really enjoy that time with you and your wife in the outdoors, you can, you know, you can kind of have that discussion with them and say, you know, this is, this is why I was gone all that time so that you guys can come out here and, and you know, and in, enjoy these places that, you know, that I grew up hunting or that I grew up fishing or that, you know, I was, you know, taking other veterans out on, um, you know, when you guys were just little and, and it's because of the work that BHA is doing.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's definitely worth it. A hundred percent. Like it's, give you an example we did a a pheasant event in south dakota uh man what was that probably three weeks ago maybe two weeks ago and we had 20 veterans up there and uh i had to leave and drive overnight from south dakota leave that event at five and then i pulled into the boat ramp at at 5 a.m so i just drove 12 hours overnight no sleep to oklahoma to start another event uh for duck hunting (laughs) but uh It's like 2 in the morning, and I am just dragging, like, coming through rural Kansas. I actually just got a bill from the Kansas Turnpike Authority. I guess I missed a toll, and that's a $23 fine, so good for Kansas. They're making some money. (laughs) But, but, uh, no, so I get – it's like 2 in the morning. I'm just dragging. I'm getting gas, and uh, I get a text from one of the participants at the pheasant event, and he's just like, hey, man, I really – we introduced him, he's like hey this is greg I already has number but this is greg i just want to let you know like man i was in a really low spot before this and uh this is incredible I had an amazing time like if you ever need somebody to keep doing these like please let me know i would love to take other veterans out like this made a huge positive impact and i'm like you can't stop like that just give me another six hours of energy you know like, got me through the next day of uh, of no sleep duck hunting and trying to take more people out but like so we've gotten fifteen of those this year, just like direct texts or emails or conversations, where somebody's like, "Hey, that AFI really helped me," uh, just in a personal way. From, you know, we we'll call it PTSD or just the anxiety of getting out of the military. Like, it's stressful, and as long as we can help people with that, like, can't really stop. You know, gotta keep going.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine what that's like getting a text like that from someone who you know, you've just spent a few days with you, you know, you probably had spoken to him prior, you know, leading up to the event, you know, you spent three or four days with them, um, you know, pheasant hunting or, or fishing on the boundary waters, you know, whatever the event was. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 12 to 24 hours later, you're getting that text like, hey, you know, you, you helped pull you know, you and, and, and BHA and, and the AFI, like you guys helped pull me out of a bad spot, out of a dark place. I mean, that's, that's a heavy thing. Um, I've got to imagine in, you know, the, the military community in general, um, it's, it's gotta be a really tough transition. And, you know, I've, I've had family members who have served and I've certainly listened to, you know, a, a ton of podcasts with, you know, um, with veterans or, or current, um, active duty, um, just talk about, you know, their experiences, you know, while serving our country, um, and, you know, what that transition looks like. And unfortunately for, you know, feel free to stop me or correct me at any time here, but the, the transition, right. When, you know, if you join, let's say you join the military, 18, 19 years old, I mean, hell, you're still a kid, right. Mm-hmm. And you do that for, you know, five years, 10 years, uh, whatever the case is and you don't know anything else. I mean, it, you know, by this point you're, you know, you're a full on adult potentially. I mean, you're in your thirties, let's say, and yeah. you know, you, you don't know anything else and that's kind of become, you know, all that, you know, so, is that like that part of AFI and, and these, these events that you guys are hosting and putting together, I mean, is that kind of a, a talking point to some degree? Like, you know, let's say, you know, after a day of pheasant hunting, right, you're sitting in the lodge or you're sitting around the campfire or something like that, that you guys make a point to talk about, or is it one of those things that just kind of tends to come up naturally, you know, while you're having some
0: beers or something like that? Uh, I'd like to say it tends to come up naturally, but I do, uh, I mean, I, I do bring it up. I make sure that we talk about it when all the events that I'm at, and I, I recommend that our uh, our local leaders do that as well because it, it's really not hard to do. It's, um, it, it's It more takes the form of just kind of remembering when you were in. Like, for example, that Pheasant event, we had two Navy guys that didn't serve together but did a lot of the same jobs. They talked for three hours about various ports, and then they're at a Marino like, oh, I was over there in the Philippines. Yeah, this date, oh, my God, we were probably at the same bar at the same time. Like, <laughs> and you just kind of remember like what that was, and that just does wonders for people. Like, just remembering, like, because the biggest thing isn't necessarily like that the Marines or the Army or the Navy is so different from civilian life. It's, um, it's the people that you're hanging out with every day. Like, it's not so much like, oh, I have work friends in the Army. It's no, I have eight people that I see 16 hours a day every single day that I sleep inches away from. Like, you just become unbearably close to the point, like, you'll fist fight each other at the drop of a hat for. nothing but you know you also know that like he that guy that person's gonna die for you and you're gonna die for him and it's just an incredibly i guess it's probably the wrong term to use but it's it's just an incredibly safe space it's kind of one of those like the closer you are to danger the farther you are from harm because you're so close to everybody else like it doesn't matter what you get yourselves into like you're there with the group with the team
1: everyone's in it together
0: exactly you just have this incredibly close uh Relationship with people that I, people in the in the civilian world just don't quite understand. Like uh, I was talking to a guy, just I told you I was home for the holidays back in uh, Missouri, Southern Illinois, and one of my younger brother's friends was uh, he just got out of the army, and we were talking a little bit at the bar. I mean, he, uh, he was talking about his first job and everything's going all right for him. Like, but uh, like just your your instincts to help others and help the team is not something that is shared by most of the, the civilian people that you run into on the first day at the job. So I'm trying to remember the exact scenario he described, but I'm not going to be able to, but he's just like, that was just the farthest from my mind when the boss said like something like, Oh, go ahead and take that the rest of the day off when other people were working. Cause he wasn't directly asked to work cause he was kind of new and he got left off the email or something. And he's like, well, no, I couldn't. Like, how could I do that? Like it's just the farthest thing from his mind would be to go home, even though he was completely on his rights to go home. And it's, just interesting how, uh, like, that's the toughest part is, like, just your instincts are completely wrong a lot of the times in the civilian world, like, and then you look strange. For, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I've got to imagine, too, you know, when, when you're in the military, for the most part, all of your, your time is accounted for, right? You, mm-hmm. you have places that you need to be at specific times. You have duties and jobs that you need to complete on a daily basis, and... You don't wake up in the morning saying, what the hell am I going to do today, right? You just, you, yeah. you know, when you go to bed the night before, okay, you know, waking up at 0500 or whatever the case is and like, I got to do this, 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 and I got to report here, report there, you know, I got to do this and this, and then my day is done, right? And then, you know, maybe you have, you know, a couple hours of free time in the evening or whatever the case is, you know, depending upon, mm-hmm. you know, what your job is or, or anything like that, but there's there's never that wondering period. It's It's always... Yeah accounted for. And you're always, like you said, looking out for the person next to you because you're all in the shit together, regardless of what the job is, right? You mean it's, if one person isn't doing their job, the whole thing's going to fall apart. And the accountability factor that I think that the military as a whole does a great job of teaching and instilling into people is that, you know, no one person is greater than the team. Um, that everyone needs to be kind of rowing that boat in the same direction with the mm-hmm. same common goal. Because yeah, you kind of get into, you know, quote unquote corporate America and unfortunately a lot of times it's every man for themselves or every woman for themselves. Right? They're
0: Yeah. You know, it's, there's uh,
1: there's certainly good people out there that that have the right mindset of trying to to help coworkers, but at the end of the day if if something's if shit's gonna hit the fan, you know, someone doesn't necessarily want to be tied to it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's, I'm and I'm not an example of success. I mean, I spent six years in the corporate uh, corporate world. I've got a whole bookshelf behind me of like, not not quite self-help books, but like professional development books is what they call them. And just like boss after boss after boss. Like I did I'd, I'd fine. I'd work. I'd get promoted, all that stuff. But like all these like executives be like, you should really read this book. And I kept reading them just not getting it. Like, man, I don't understand why that, but it's all basically it's how to make yourself stand out, how to make yourself look better than you actually are, like all this, like, I don't like to say, like, office politics, but one of them I'm looking at is actually called office politics for dummies. <laughs> and I'm, like, just not good at it. So, anyway, that's kind of why I ended up taking this job at uh, BHA is I get paid to not leave the the military, essentially. Like, I get paid to just keep bringing it up on uh, what we used to do and what we used to be like. But, but no, you get a break. You, you brought up a good point on – it's not so much that nobody wants to be last, but it's nobody wants to not help. Nobody wants to be the weakest link on the team. And you see that at all these events. So like uh, in the boundary waters, guys are just like racing to be the first one to click, to be wash dishes at the end. So they can say, so w- aren't the guy that didn't do anything that day. You know, like if you didn't catch fish, you're going to wash dishes. You're going to clean fish. You're going to help drag canoes up or like nobody wants to be the person that didn't help. And that's one of the most interesting things. That's why I think I like this job so much. And, we're having so much success is you don't run into people that are there, um, trying to get something for nothing. It's, this isn't like, oh, let's go put me in a stand over a feeder in a high fence place and shoot a deer. Like that's, which is fine if that's how you want to hunt, like completely up to you. But the people that come to our events really, they will I don't want to say they want to earn it, but like they want to work for it. They want to sweat. They want to be cold. They want to be miserable for a minute. Like they don't want anything given to them. And that's, that's interesting. And it's a really cool environment to be a part of.
1: Yeah. And I think, and and maybe, you know, just from my experiences in the outdoors and and growing up, it's, you know, that's, that's all part of it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong if, if I can go out hunting and you know, whether I'm sitting and in Michigan, obviously here we, well, most of Michigan, you know, we can't bait or anything like that. Yeah. So let's say you have a really nice food plot or something like that. I mean, sure, I'll take the layup, so to speak. That mm-hmm. you know, you're 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 probably have a really high probability of seeing deer. Might not be the deer you want, but you're going to see deer. I would much prefer, you know, let me hike in somewhere. Let me, even if I'm hunting on private, like let me get to the spot that is not easy to get to. Let me let me work for it because it, mm-hmm. it feels so much better there's so much more gratification at the end of the day if you're able to punch a tag and you worked your butt off to do it i mean those are the things that you feel good about and like i said don't get me wrong i'll I'll take a layup now and again i had one two years ago where i was in the stand for 30 minutes and you know i mean it just it happened to work out well that day but i mean that's you and i both know i mean that's that's a very very that's less than five percent of the time something like that happens right
0: oh you're you're spot on it's uh we had a deer hunt earlier this year and I was with a veteran and just trying to fill a, a doe whitetail tag in Eastern Montana. And, um, on the first day, like we were setting up camp and we look up and there's one like 50 yards away, just kind of grazing in this like prairie. And I'm like, get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. And he's like real slow and the deer ends up running off and we don't get it. And he's like, I'm really happy we didn't get that. I don't know if you could tell, but I was not, not really interested in filling the tag that way and. So we had the discussion. And he's like, "Yeah, I would rather not fill the tag, um, than try and get this like the easy way or luck into something. I really want to earn it." And I'm, and that's how most of our of our folks are. It's really an interesting environment. Like we end up seeing three more deer, uh, just with that guy in particular on that trip, and uh, at another like just litany. Like we're facing into the setting sun on some of them, facing into the rising sun, where it just could not get a good. Uh, picture in the scope and wasn't comfortable. Didn't take the shot ended up going home without punching his tag, but he couldn't have been happier, early. Cause it's not about the tag. It's about the experience. It's about, you know, earning it, I guess is the best way to put it for him. That's what he wanted. And that's what we were able to give him.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I, I like, I like that, uh, you know, a majority of the guys or, or all the guys and gals that, that come and take part in your events have that mentality because it, I think it speaks volumes to, the character of that person that they they want to work for something they don't they don't want anything handed to them and I uh I think that's that that I think that mindset is is lost on on a lot of people nowadays unfortunately
0: yeah it's uh I mean you spend as much time in the field as I do and I like to say like you don't get the hunt you want you don't get the hunt you think you deserve you get whatever hunt the mountain gives you you just got to be prepared <laughs> to take it and like with that whitetail at 50 yards in camp, I was just like, Jesus, just do it. This is never going to happen again. Just do it. Because, <laughs> like, like, I mean, we walked around the mountains of southern Colorado a month earlier for elk for five days with nothing. Like, didn't even find, like, fresh scat. And it's just like, the mountains can just kick the crap out of you sometimes yeah. for nothing. So, like, when you get that give me, it's like, just take it. So, like, I, I see both sides. But, again, like. If it's your first hunt, like ever, like and he didn't want the gimme, like totally fine. I get it. Like he'll come around. Yeah, he'll come get, ide- Yeah, ideally he gets to a point where he's just like thanking the hunting gods. Like this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: absolutely. So as as AFI has kind of really you know blossomed um, since the since the inception of it, you know what is what is the main goal of AFI and, and the veterans? You know besides just getting them into the field or, you know, getting them involved. I mean, what is, what is kind of the, the end goal when when you bring people out for these events or you're, you know, you're having meetings or just, you know, trying to grow that membership base? Like what is, I guess, what is the, the ultimate kind of end game for veterans that, that you guys bring
0: out or that you speak to and things like that? Yeah, it's really hard to point to to one because I – I mean, I have the one on paper, like the end goal is to create conservationists, right? It's ideally I take people out or one of our volunteers takes people out. They have such an amazing time duck hunting, pheasant hunting, deer hunting, whatever, um, that they become so passionate about it that they want to go and become like a waterfowl or a deer expert. Like they go start installing wood duck boxes or, you know, mallard uh, nest huts or whatever, whatever their specific community or area they hunt in needs, right? Like... They become so passionate about it that they become invested in making sure there's more ducks and more areas to hunt ducks and more public land. And then as a veteran, they can go represent the conservation community with their uh, Department of Natural Resources or whatever fishing game agency they have locally and and even – Higher than that at, at Congress, if asked upon, or at local community meetings, whatever that is. The goal has always been to create conservationists, and um, I think we've done that. At our year-end surveys, we're still waiting for all the results, but um, right now it looks like seventy-eight percent of our uh, of our participants who went hunting for the first time with us have gone hunting again since. So, like that's the first step is like m- making sure it's not a once a lifetime experience. But uh, there's always this kind of this creepy, not creepy, but like this the secondary goal that just keeps creeping in and showing success. And that's, uh, that's his veterans mental health. That's getting people to a point where they have a mission. They have something right. And they go, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Like they go together. Like I hope that conservation is that mission, but giving them a mission. Like, cause like you said earlier, once you get to that, that first day out of the military where you wake up and you've got, nothing to do no one to tell you what to do no one to look out for other than you like it's pretty great pretty great for about six weeks (laughs) and then it's not and then you've got like it's it creeps in fast how not great it is after about six weeks exactly like um and then you have to have something for example you take somebody that uh you know, it was in high school. or it was in grade school even for 9-11. And then they decided to enlist. And then they enlisted after high school. And they've been in the mili- Marines or the Army or whatever. And every day they were at war up until, you know, two years ago. Like, every day they knew they were making the world a better place. They were training to make the world a better place. Whether they were haircutters, cooks, truck drivers, infantrymen, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody has a job that contributes to the whole. Right. right? And then now that person is a bank teller. Uh, steel worker, you know, uh, attorney doesn't really matter what they do, but it's hard to find that same kind of satisfaction, that same kind of, uh, I don't want to say self-worth because you shouldn't necessarily take your self-worth from your job, but, but you end up doing exactly that in the military. Like you wear, like you have awards that you get, you wear on your chest every day, every day you walk around, you can see exactly how you measure up with your peers. Like you really can identify your self-worth with how well you do your job. And then you don't have that, right? Like, yeah, you build buildings. You can say like, oh, you can drive your kids past it. As like if you're a construction worker, where you can get out and you say, yep, I helped build that. Or I did this. And that's great, but it's not the same kind of satisfaction of serving your country. Right. And I conservation, you could do that. Like, it's a really weird roundabout way, but like public lands, this hunting and fishing, right? P- places don't have that outside of the United States. Like you kind of have it in Canada, but it's being encroached on every day. Like, we're kind of like the last holdout of this just wildly American idea of public lands and hunting. And if you're willing to go farther and sit longer and just endure more, uh, uncomfortableness or pain in the forest, like you could find some big animals and some big experiences.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you make a great point there, Trevor, the, the parallels between, you know, serving your country, um, you know, from a, a military standpoint and, you know, kind of training to become a conservationist, because one of the, the big similarities that I see between those two things is serving something bigger than you. And it's mm-hmm. it's also kind of serving something that you can't really put your finger on. You know what it is. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, fighting for our freedoms and, and, and all of those. I mean, you can you know what it is, but you can't every day necessarily point to like, OK, this is. This is why I'm, you know, why I'm serving and why I'm, you know, trying to defend this country. And the same with yeah. conservation. You know, if you're, you know, doing a trail cleanup, uh, habitat restoration, a fence pull, um, you know, river cleanup, it, the list goes on and on. You you know what you did in that, in that moment, but you really probably won't see the effects of it. I mean, you may personally may never see them. It may be, you <laughs> know, two generations down the road. That someone walks up to, you know, a local stream or a lake or something and says, Man, you know, this is this is pristine. Like, does no one else come here? It's like, yeah, everyone comes here, but everyone picks up after themselves. Everyone, you know, does the right things while they're here and takes mm-hmm. care of it like it's everyone else, it's not just their own. And that's the reason why, you know, you know, twenty, thirty years down the road, you know, your kids or your grandkids are there and, and they're able to enjoy those same things. So it's that that serving something uh, much bigger, much greater and and kind of playing this ultimate long game. I guess is is another way to look at it.
0: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You're spot on. And that's that's what's making the biggest difference like as I mean that's why we get these uh these texts or these emails from folks saying, "Hey, this really helped me out of a dark spot." It's not necessarily because going pheasant hunting in South Dakota is so wildly amazing and therapeutic that fixes everything like a magic little pill. It's one it's it's one yes it is that time outside that's great but two it's that spending that time outside with people with the exact same life experience as you the exact same kind of outlook and they all want to work together to make things happen I mean, whether it's you know making your lunches ready building um or doing the dishes just that same kind of mentality and that group mentality and the third thing it is the mission it's you can go home with some actionable steps like i like you leave our events and you know exactly how to plug into your local um, fish and game agency like we do classes on hey what's the best way to write your senator write your congressman where you're not um you're putting your point across but you're not becoming overly defensive or overly aggressive to the point that they're not going to read it um which congressmen have specific aids which don't like we have a and bha provides all that we have a great kind of policy section um That can run people through, hey, this is how you want to talk to a congressman. This is how you want to talk to a state representative. This is kind of – it goes beyond like uh, like just government 101, and it really goes into how to be the most effective um, voter that you can be for the issues that are important to you. And it's uh, – that's what's making the difference is people come home and all of a sudden like they have a mission. They have something they're passionate about, and they know what the next steps are. They know what they have to do from here.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that BHA I think is you know almost head and shoulders um, better than than maybe some other conservation organizations out there is that ability to get in touch with representatives, uh, the ease in which to do it, and they make it a a very seamless, uh, easy process for for you know, people to express their opinions on certain situations. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing I've certainly noticed in, gosh, probably the past 10 years. And maybe it's just, you know, over the past 10 years as I've been much more tuned in and, and really paying closer attention to things is this, you know, newer generation of outdoorsmen, of women of conservationists um, really want their voice heard. They really like mm-hmm. to to speak up on matters, especially, you know, the outdoors you know, seems to be one of those things that regardless of your political views, um, see, people seem to, to agree on for the most part, right. I, I'm speaking mm-hmm. in, in generalities a bit there, but that's, that's one of those topics that you see, you know, both sides of the aisle tend to, to come together on now. I mean, there's, there's certainly rogue politicians, so to speak, who, you know, want to recall the, the Pittman Robertson act and, and things like that. And, and, mm-hmm. But it's it's certainly one of those things that we all share a very common interest in, and to be able to easily express our opinions um, is is very crucial in, 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 in this day and age and in this time.
0: Absolutely. that's um, It's one of the things that BHA is just so good at that um, we almost need to like, kind of not slow down, but take a step back and remember that um, not everybody does this every single day. Like, I, I join the uh, like the policy team calls or our meetings once a week, and uh, it, it's really interesting when you talk to someone who has just such a high level of expertise because they just live in the, the issues. Like, they're in D.C. Like, they're not talking about Senator Tester. They're talking about, you know, Margaret, Senator Tester's chief aide. They're talking about this, and these individual, like, personality profiles that they know they're going to need to work with in order to pass, you know, whatever it is. And that's just an example, but it's very quickly – I'm just, like, very much out of my depth, like, oh, God, you guys know what you're doing, right? But that's one of the things I think, BHA, we can do better is finding a way to really explain that, exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it on individual issues every single time. Like the, uh, like the Pittman-Robertson thing you mentioned, like, was always going to die, like, was never going to pass, like, was more or less just a, an attention-grabbing uh, piece or tool at the time, and then... Like people just kind of get BHA members are like, man, why aren't we doing more about this? Oh, it's just because we have all the right people in the right places in DC to know that this isn't going to do anything. So if like, yeah, sure, we could commit, we could send, spend, you know, call it five thousand dollars on letting all BHA members know, like, hey, here's the form letter that you need to fill out. Who's Here's who you need to send it to. Let's rally, you know, all whatever we're up to, forty thousand members or something, and get this done. But we can't do that every single day because then it loses value, right? It's – if we have a huge tool, especially with the Armed Forces Initiative, we have a huge tool just because it – right or wrong, it means more when somebody shows up to a meeting and says, as a veteran, I think this to a politician. For sure. Right? Like versus, you know, as a tax attorney, I think this. It's like we have this really hard-hitting tool of thousands of – tens of thousands of conservationists all want this to happen. And we could really – get pretty pretty precise with that message but we can only use it so often before it becomes stale right like i mean i talk to bha members they're like man it seems like every week i'm getting asked to sign this petition or do this and this and this and i get it it is uh it is tough being a conservation minded voter because you're constantly on edge you're constantly looking for the next thing but uh I kind of lost myself on that story, but uh, it's something that I've been thinking about with my, my time off. Like, how can I do better on the policy side? How can I make better use of who, of our membership and the passion that we have here on staff?
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point there, though, with you can't use that tool, even though it's a great tool in the toolbox, in the tool chest, you can't use it. It's not a, a one-size-fits-all approach, right? You have to, mm-hmm. like you said, if you guys have boots on the ground, like in D.C., for example, who know that, hey, you know, this person proposed this bill. It's more of an attention grab, you know, based on all of our information, all of our circles, this is not going anywhere, right? This is going to yeah. die before it even grows legs. So we don't need to, you know, use our our one-size-fits-all tool or our, you know, our our ace in the hole, so to speak, to try to kill this. It's going to die on its own. We don't, you mm. know, let's wait for something that's – um that maybe is starting to grow legs, that's that's going to be much more detrimental to the outdoors, to public lands and conservationists alike, let's let's wait and use it for that. And I think that's a good approach because I think that, you know, not just in the conservation space, but in, in in a lot of different scenarios, when you have that ace in the hole and you can go back to it time and time again, you tend to overplay that. And like you said, it gets stale. People tend to start ignoring it and and then it loses its luster um so to you know use that when called upon i think is is a great approach and, and kudos to you guys for having that wherewithal to to know when and, and how to use something like that
0: yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting i mean the biggest thing this year has been the corner crossing case for pha right and uh, we've done a ton of other stuff like uh our guy up in Alaska is going to call me when he hears this, He's like, why Why is corner crossing more important than caribou? <laughs> Cause you know, for him that's, you know, those are the issues he lives in. But I mean, as far as what everyone in the U S or what the majority of people think of when they think of BHA in 2022 is the corner crossing. Right. In, in Wyoming where those four Missouri hunters got, uh, got charged. Then they beat the criminal charges. And like, we just, uh, which has filed a legal brief in federal court supporting corner corner crossing. We're basically we're, I mean, we have a great article on it by Katie McCaleb, our communications director, because I don't have a, I don't have a legal uh, degree, but basically we're saying that uh, the U S Supreme court has already legalized corner crossing by backing uh, these four cases. I think it's four. Yeah. By these four cases in in the past. Exactly. So it's interesting to see, but like, people think like oh well yeah Kadium caleb just wrote this well no caleb caleb doesn't have a a uh, a legal degree either like this is a massive collaboration of of attorneys of what's it called um of policymakers of weighing in with different uh judges retired judges on trying to make this as solid as it is and it costs an incredible amount of money like if we're looking at just like where you physically could put your dollars like the I don't want to say like that we'll never run out of volunteer hours, but that is the one thing BHA is amazing is our, our volunteers just step up every time and just keep churning and keep pushing stuff out. What we do, what we will run out of is money, right? Like if we have like, let's say if we have $50,000 to spend on policy or whatever it is this year, like you have to really be strategic about where you dump that in. Like just the amount, amount of man hours on, on this brief that we filed, it's, I, I it's got to be upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm just, just looking at it now on uh, while we're talking. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is pretty intense stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she was like you said, she was just the one who put the pen to the paper, right? Exactly. And, yeah exactly. she she had all of the information from all the necessary parties. Mm-hmm. When you when you're talking about you know, like the the veteran community and and the voice or the weight that their voice carries as it pertains to, you know, different issues, um, you know, conservation specifically, you mentioned that when you guys first really kind of took notice, the uh, military or the veteran community was at 12% of your membership base. Where Uh is that now compared to, I think you said that was 2018, so four years ago, almost five
0: yep uh so we're sitting uh i can actually pull it up for you one second here oh i thought we were we're getting very very close to 50 percent of bha's membership we're not there yet which is kind of like my private little goal for 2022 we are uh we're still in the low 40s we're at like 42 percent of bha's membership is a member of that military community but kind of like the inside the inside joke is uh land, you're going to know the day that we surpass 50% because I'm just going to be in your office chair and it'll be (laughs) my office now.
1: (laughs) I'm the captain now.
0: Exactly, exactly. But uh, we're not there yet.
1: So what do you think it is about BHA specifically? Because I've got to imagine that, you know, there's a ton of of great conservation organizations out there, but I can't imagine that any of them even rival, you know, 42% um, membership base that were, you know, had some affiliation with with the military. Uh, what is it about BHA that you think that, that draws, you know, people from that community
0: in? I wouldn't necessarily say it's drawing. Um, I don't know. I don't have enough data to support that. It's like the BHA is massively appealing to everyone in the military, but I do have enough data to say that the, the people in the military that it is appealing to are extraordinarily passionate about uh, public lands, public waters, hunting, fishing, because they come in and they just make, such a uh such a splash or whatever like immediately they get involved like eric like one event he was at one event and he even came in on day one and he's like hey i'm eric and he's like i'm not really sure about this bha stuff i heard some things <laughs> heard some other things and you know at the end of day three he's like hey how do i how do i take this program back to michigan how do i do this like i don't uh i don't know the answer i uh i think it's it's just our passionate volunteers out there but uh, just working hard every day, I like to make sure every interaction you have is a positive interaction. Um, I was actually talking, I'm not gonna be able to remember this guy's name. Uh, this is back in October. Um, we had one of uh, he's a campaign manager for uh, for somebody. But he talks about this uh, this ladder of engagement. And I was we were duck hunting and he's talking about like
1: this letter. Okay. Am I still there? Yep, gotcha.
0: Okay, sorry. But I was talking to this campaign manager about the ladder of engagement and how impressed they were with AFI's ladder of engagement. And that was a brand new term to me. But uh, he was saying, that, so if you look at an organization or a cause or whatever, like the first step on the ladder of engagement is you get somebody to sign on to one of your letters. Whether it's a petition, whether it's a letter of support or whatever, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's taking an actionable step with their with their name, putting their support behind a cause that is yours right and then the second step is hey why don't, would you mind coming to one of these events for us the third step is hey would you give us some money or donate to this cause and the fourth step is would you mind volunteering helping us run one of these events and then the fifth step is would you mind becoming a leader and helping other people run events and trying to attract others and you work up all these five steps i'm sure i've missed some because i think there were supposed to be seven steps but but anyway you work up these steps and that's how you become like a truly engaged member of whatever cause or organization this is in. And what's interesting is if you look at the definitions of those steps, are at an armed force initiative event, people go from step zero to, hey, I saw about, heard about this on a Facebook post and it seemed interesting. Or, hey, I saw this on the BHA page. Is this really for any veteran? Like, yeah, it is. So they go from like a step zero to a step five in four days. You know, and part of that's because it's immersive. You know, we're out in the backcountry for four days. You're by you're just with your group of ten or fifteen people and you don't have, you know, internet, you don't have the Instagram or the Facebook to distract you. But um this this uh political person that we were talking to is just like that's incredible, it's almost unheard of.
1: Well, yeah. And I think there's, you know, with, with no kind of downtime or, or lag time between some of those steps, I think that mm-hmm. you're probably able to, to close that gap so much quicker, right? Because people are able to get their, their questions or, you know, if they have a reservation about something, they can, those things can be addressed in real time, which, you know, in a lot of cases isn't the, isn't the, isn't the case where, you know, if you, let's say you, you sign up or, you know, you complete step one or step two and then it, it may be, you know, 5 months before there's an opportunity to to hit that step 3 or step 4 or something along mm-hmm. those lines. So th- there's probably got to be, you know, some, you know, f- statistic or some percentage in there that that people just fall off, right? They it's out of sight, sure. it's out of mind kind of thing. But if yeah, if you mm-hmm. can capitalize and, and almost, you know, close the deal, it, it, it I mean it sounds very transactional and I know that's not the way that it is, but if you can yes, solidify those five steps in, in a short period of time and, you know, really capitalize on the excitement, the enthusiasm um, coming out of one of those events. I mean, yeah, that's when that's when you can really make a difference.
0: Absolutely. And it's uh, what's interesting about it is it's yeah, it's a four day period that you get to step five, but then you continue along like Eric. He could have been really ready to go when we left the boundary waters and to be honest, I left the Boundary Waters, uh, late August, Turned around with like a day at home, went to Colorado and first of September for a, a bear hunt with some other veterans. Um, after that, I had to come do a duck hunt in Wisconsin, a couple days home. Then I was back in Wyoming. Then I was in Montana. Like the fall was nuts. I think I spent, I didn't spend more than three days at home from, uh, like August 15th through November 15th. Wow. But, uh, like that whole time, like I wasn't in contact with Eric, like, no texts, no emails. Like we talked about what he wanted to do in August at the boundary waters trip on the last day and we set him off and he still did it, you know? So it's, it's interesting. Like part of that is our volunteer kind of leadership, our board, like everybody, if we get behind, like our really, I don't say we're too general, but we're pretty general. Like it's not uh Not rigid as far as, like, if you throw an idea at me, like, I'm going to approve 99% of the ideas. Like, there's not just one kind of event. Like, if you come to me and you're in Georgia and you're just like, hey, I don't really have a space where I could take 10 people deer hunting. I don't know much about hog hunting. I don't know how to quail hunt. But I do have a great bluegill spot. Great. Take some dudes bluegill fishing. Yeah. Totally fine. Right? Like, versus you go to Alaska and it's like, hey, if you really want to get out in Alaska, you need – you need you know, ten thousand dollars worth of gear. If you want me to take four people out, we need stoves, we need snowmobiles, we need all this stuff. Like it's just it's very different based on where you're at. But um, really what it comes down to is we, we have like a vision, we have a mission statement, all that stuff, but we have a separate piece called the commander's intent. So in the military, you'll have the, what's called an operations order, which is exactly step by step how you want something done. You know, it could be hundreds of pages depending on the size of the of the operation. And uh, ideally, everything goes well, you follow this step by step plan. And at the end, you're have a successful mission, right? But there's about two sentences in there. And we call it the commander's intent. And really what the commander's intent is, is it's very simple. It's X bridge will be seized by this date, or this hill will be taken, or this area will not fall or whatever like it is everything else fails like command commander's dead or communications breakdown radios all break like this is what needs to happen and i don't care how like the whole rest of the plan the operations order is how i want it to happen and how i think it's best but as long as these two sentences happen i'm happy like the the most famous kind of example of this is uh is the u.s paratroopers on d-day where like um german anti-aircraft fire just kind of scattered uh the planes everybody dropped in the wrong spot uh, you had like 60% of, uh, of paratroopers just drop in an area where their, their original mission became unachievable based on where they were. And, uh, so you have what, uh, what we now call is, a uh, LGOP is a little groups of paratroopers that basically you hit the ground, you find somebody wearing the same kind of clothes as you and you get together and do whatever mission is closest, like who's in charge. All right. That's the mission we're going to go do based on the commander's intent, which really kind of. In the airborne kind of breaks down to go shoot everybody dressed different than me but um <laughs> right so the commander's intent for the armed force initiative is to instill within the military community a knowledge of conservation practices and theory a love of wild places and a desire to elevate america's public wild lands as fundamental components of american freedom that's super broad you could do that in a ton of different ways like colorado our, our new afi colorado chapter they're like i think the best way that we can accomplish this is by doing a monthly introduction to colorado regs because you have so many people moving in or being transferred there from other military posts whether it's air force army space force like even the coast guard has bases in colorado right like so many people come in every month that have no idea like it's not called a doe tag it's called a b tag you can only have so many b tags b tags are worth four points which then add up and it's 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 Interestingly complex, not quite as complex as Montana, but still complex. So like there when they came to me and said, hey, I think this is the best way that we can introduce people to the backcountry is by talking them through the regs. Because what should, would take people three years is now taking them two hours on the phone or two hours on a Zoom call or Skype call or whatever. Right. So it's just – it kind of – I think that's another pretty key part of our success is we're flexible enough that each, uh, each state, each region, each community can do what it, that it needs Right. Like I'm I'm one person. We have seven people on the board like none of us can speak for any one part of the country other than our own. Right. Like but like Eric in Michigan, I have to trust Eric to know what the veteran community in Michigan needs. Eric being uh, near Detroit is going to have some junior leaders around the state where he's going to have to trust like this is what the veteran community in the Upper Peninsula needs. This is what people in Ann Arbor need. This is what I don't know, name another Michigan City need. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, but uh,
1: I think that that's having that flexibility, having that autonomy, I guess, from from state to state or region to region mm -hmm. um, is is a great thing for lack of a better way to put it, because it allows you to be to still work towards that that mission and do it by any means necessary because, like you said, it's not a, a one size fits all scenario. It's you know every region is going to be different, and and like the approach that um, you know the Colorado was taking, I think is great because you're right, especially for someone from the Midwest or out East or something like that. That uh-huh. you know regulations are are fairly straightforward. I mean, you know, you're in Wisconsin, I'm in Michigan, so I mean we're we're close to one another, so our our state regulations are not all that different. But yeah, you go out to Colorado, and its terminology is different. You know the the point system and all that. I mean the the draw system. It's it's almost you know trying to speak French for for someone. It just it doesn't oh, yeah. it doesn't register. So to to have that ability, um, you know, state to state or region to region, uh, I think is crucial in in the success of of AFI. Mm-hmm. I
0: I think so too. I wish I could. Uh... Yeah, I wish I could point to one thing like, "Hey, man, this is exactly what we're doing, and this is why it's working." But I, I really think it's just a combination of things, a combination of the right people in the right places, and um, just some a solid idea that uh, is we're solidifying every a little bit more every day. Like,
1: yeah, no, that's great, Trevor. Before I let you get out of here and enjoy the uh, the rest of your weekend here and the rest of your time off, where can people go and learn more about BHA AFI if you're especially if you're, you know, a veteran and you want to get involved, um where can people learn uh you know more about their particular state or maybe chapters that are are near to them.
0: Yeah, so if you go to backcountryhunters.org, that's the main BHA page. Um you can either type in the search bar Armed Forces Initiative or you can go to programs and uh there's a little drop down that says Armed Forces Initiative and um uh, yeah. You'll see like, here's some of our blog posts, just, just little write ups, little articles, photos of past trips. Um, you'll see kind of a map of the leadership across the country with people's email addresses. Uh, I don't have phone numbers on there. Um, uh, but people's email addresses, uh, we have another section where you could sign up to be a volunteer, a leader, uh, whether you want to be like a camp chef, whether you want to be a social media person, whether you think you could be a mentor or take somebody hunting or whether you really want to want to go hunting and don't know enough. Um, Really, we, we have ways to sign up for just about anybody on that uh, says Become a Volunteer page. Um, yeah, and then uh, you can also see there's a little block of events where all of our events are coming up, and I have like 16 events that I still need to post on here, but uh, I'm not so good at the computers. Uh, eight, <laughs> eight years in the infantry didn't prepare me for this part of the job, so I'm a little slow on that. But, uh, yeah, just look at it right now. In a, two weeks, I think we have a duck camp in new england we've got a introduction to washington regulations in wherever this is poolsboro washington uh we've got some pocket fishing for rockfish at vandenberg space force base coming up uh deer hunting event in tennessee ice fishing event in minnesota snow goose hunt in arkansas like another ice fishing in montana we got stuff happening all over and our 2023 events are are just now starting to pile in. So once I get all those posted, you'll have a lot more on the calendar coming up. But
1: no, that's that's incredible. Um, I'm certainly going to have to check that out and, and get in touch with Eric and, and kind of see what he has planned for Michigan here and, and try to get involved, however I can, because I think that that uh, I mean we talked about this, you know, a few months ago when we last spoke, is that I, I see the importance. I I see um, you know the good that is that is and will come out of AFI. And so anything that I can do, even though I'm not, um, uh, you know, a veteran or anything like that, anything that I can do to to contribute is it's certainly something that I would like to be a part of. So.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, we'd love to have you at that waterfowl event in, uh, late October, just come up for even just for one day. Um, cause really what it's going to end up being is probably about 10 to 12 people on shore cooking, uh, smoking, joking, just having a good time and four or five people out in the boat and we're just going to swap them out all day and, do that for five days so you'll get a chance to talk to everybody uh you could probably even record a podcast up there if you wanted to
1: yeah hey i can bring the morale i got i got that by the bunches. <laughs> so i'll yeah. stay on shore i'll tell jokes i'll i'll crack beers i'll cook food i can do whatever i need to be i can just be i can just be a a warm able body there that's that's for sure
0: that's all it takes there you welcome go. to the army <laughs>
1: <laughs> trevor it was great catching up man i'm glad that we were able to sit down and do this and i appreciate your time today
0: yeah thanks for having me i love being on here so
1: all right, well, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thank you, sir. All right, well, thank you again to Trevor for joining me today um, and you know shedding some light on to uh, the Armed Forces Initiative of BHA and, and all that they stand for and what their mission is. Um, be sure to uh, go out, support um, you know organizations like BHA, um, specifically the Armed Forces Initiative, and do your part. Uh, stick around, guys. We got, a, as I mentioned in the intro, we've got a great lineup of, uh, of guests Uh, coming this year. A lot of cool stuff I'm excited for. So uh, until next time, stay wild, Michigan.